0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Morgan's Pop Talks, breaking on the latest in reality TV and pop culture. Thank you so much for being here today. A lot of things to discuss. Um, it was a pretty busy week. I mean, I feel like only a few things happen, but they're pretty big. We've been seeing them all over the headlines. But of course, before we get into the pop three, you know, I have to do the top of the show, word vomit, brain dump, all the things. Um not to like make it all about me, but it is my birthday on Friday, 31. The big 3-1, no plans. And I could not be happier about that. Actually, you want to know what my plans are? As of right now, I'm going to Texas Roadhouse, baby, with the family. Cinnamon butter, that cinnamon butter on those rolls, that ranch I don't know. Do they put crack in the ranch? I don't know. But I daydream about the ranch at Texas Roadhouse. Oh, like that is the way that I'm bringing in my 31st birthday, living truly my best life with my family. Because I only have like I have like three friends in real life, and then I hang out with my family, and that's literally it. So I'm very excited to turn 31. I feel like it's going to be a big year. I feel like you know. A lot of us are scared to get older. And yes, true, I am. But also, life has just been getting better, you know, as I get older, which leads me to my next point. You guys, this is big news, breaking news. David and I are moving into a house yay me adulting 31 years old baby 31 i keep wanting to say 30 flirty and thriving but like nothing goes with 31 we got to come up with a 31 year old catchphrase but yeah david and i are moving into a house we didn't buy it not in this economy are you kidding me are you kidding me literally david and i have been looking for houses and I want to say you would not believe, but like you would, if you're on the house hunt right now, you know, it is a struggle out there. You're paying 350 grand for pink carpet and wallpaper that was put in in 1803, the same year that Ohio was declared a state, you know, like that's what we're working with out here. But David and I, you know, we've been casually looking, living our lives on Zillow, you know, their email Zillow, Zillow stays in my email every time something comes up and something just popped up right around the corner. It was a house for rent. Um, and We were the first people to look at it, and we loved it, you guys. We loved it. So I'm moving. (laughs) I've only ever lived in this apartment building for five years, six years. I'm the David and I are the only people under the age of sixty-five. I'm gonna miss my seniors. Arsenio, I love Arsenio. He's my upstairs neighbor, straight from Italy. Cleto. my landlord, that is ninety-two. That he cares about this place. He puts his blood, sweat, and tears into this place. He's ninety-two, and he'll still he'll, he will still come and fix the light bulb for me. So I'm gonna miss him. I really am. They're good people. Cleto. he's got a little vegetable garden on the side of the apartment complex he always brings me fresh tomatoes He knocks on the door it's like morgan you want some tomatoes i can't do his voice but just the sweetest soul so it's bittersweet but you know what we're moving on up our first house so maybe i'll take you along the journey wow four minute top of the show rant. I got to get a move on. Let's talk about the pop 3. These are the three biggest headlines in the reality TV and pop culture world. Let's start with The Real Housewives of Atlanta. Kind of in disarray, if you ask me. So, we've had no idea what's going on with The Real Housewives of Atlanta for a while. You know, the last season was kind of a bust. I actually stopped watching like five or six episodes in, which is very telling, you know, it's my job to stay on top of these shows, but if it loses my interest, it loses my interest and I'm not going to pretend to be interested in something. I feel the same way right now about Potomac. I'm just, ugh, it's just not hitting like it used to, which is sad because in their prime Potomac and Atlanta, like top of the list when it comes to housewives franchises. But I do also understand that I think every franchise goes through, You know, seasons where they're at the top and seasons where it's just not hitting like it used to. So Atlanta, unfortunately, in that questionable area right now, but Candy Burris made the announcement that she is leaving. Candy Burris and OG, what was she on the show for 14 years? A staple to the Real Housewives of Atlanta. So she was at the Grammys, which we are also going to talk about, by the way. She was at the Grammys. She was doing a red carpet interview with Variety. And this is what she said. She said, well... It's been 14 seasons and they allowed us to sit around for a little too long because they were making a decision. But during that time, I had started working on a lot of other things and I got some nice big project coming soon. So she said she wasn't coming back. She also talks about this conversation that she had with one of her friends. She says a friend of mine was like, why do you keep doing it? And she said, well, I think I've just been doing it for so long. It just feels weird to think not to do it. And then she says, so I said, you know what? Take a break. I'm going to take a moment. So she didn't roll out coming back ever. You know, like, is this going to be a pause situation or uh, I don't know, but she does say we're still going to do things together. So, I mean, when she says something like that, I'm thinking a girl's trip, but who knows? Um, So yeah, it is sad, but I feel like for the past couple of years, you can kind of tell that Candy has been not necessarily over it, but maybe even like quiet quitting, where, you know, she put in the work for so long. She was the main topic of conversation with some really like crazy things in the past when you think about it. And it's like, do you want to put yourself through that kind of stuff for 14 years? You know, probably not. And she doesn't need it. She's worldwide. She doesn't need it. She's worldwide. So, What are they going to do? There's this online rumor that Portia is coming back um, and Kenya, which Kenya was already on the show, but... um I want to remind you, Portia left the show after marrying her husband, Simon, who at that time, the last time that Portia was on Atlanta, Simon was married to another woman on the cast. She was a friend of, I honestly can't even remember her name because I feel like she was only a friend of for one, maybe two seasons. Um, but yeah, so it seems like Portia was running away from that storyline a little bit. You know, she maybe she wanted to protect her new marriage, but maybe she'll come back. I think Portia is just, she just makes for such great television that I would welcome it with open arms. Um, Kim Zolziak, you know, people are asking that question. Is Kim Zolziak going to come back to Atlanta? Like her life right now is also in disarray. People have no idea what's going on with her and Croy. I did listen to Juicy Scoop with Heather McDonald and he, she had Carlos King on who used to be a producer of Atlanta. And he said that they weren't talking to Kim that nobody has reached out. Um, So, you know, it's interesting. I feel like, I feel like Kim is a fine line of would it make for great TV? Yes. But would it also make you feel a little icky inside? Also, yes, you know, it's like you want to watch these shows and you want to get in the drama and you want to get invested and you want it to be jam packed, but you don't want it to leave you feeling like, "Ugh, what did I just witness? And I feel like it's kind of a fine line with Kim and Croy right now. Um, But yeah, you know, Andy was on his radio show saying that he was really excited about casting and that uh, when Candy finally made the decision that she wasn't going to come back, it allowed him to put some more pieces of the puzzle together. I mean, he has to calm the panic. What is he going to come out and say? Yeah, it's a nightmare. (laughs) You know, like he's never going to come out and say that Um, Phaedra, maybe with Candy exiting. I mean, Phaedra is killing it on the traders right now she is like the most beloved person on the cast so who knows maybe maybe we'll see a Phaedra come back all right let's move on to headline number two the grammys were this week specifically everybody is talking about taylor swift anytime taylor swift shows up to an awards show the whole entire thing is going to be about her it doesn't matter if she really tries to or not but there were some viral moments um one that includes celine dion another that include Uh, includes Lana Del Rey. So we're going to get into both of them. The internet obviously has some thoughts on Taylor at the Grammys. I just want to say to my Swifties out there, it's going to be okay. Okay. You love me. You love me like a sis. Can we talk about it? Can we talk about it really on honestly and truly can we? All right, we're going to do it. Those two moments did make me feel pretty awkward, you know, watching at home on my couch with like pizza bagel stains on my shirt so like who am i to talk right but the first thing that really was not uh pleasant for me to watch was her dragging dragging lana del rey up on stage um it's so hard though you know because it was for album of the year lana was nominated lana lost Taylor won, right? But they're all friends. You know, Jack Antonoff was there. Lana was there. They're all besties. They're all in the clique. And Taylor's like, no, come up, come up. come." And you could tell, like, it looked like Taylor Swift was ripping her arm off, to be quite honest with you. But Lana, she clearly didn't want to go up on stage. She just lost the award, you know? So it's like, I feel like to Taylor Swift, it would be really easy for her to be sitting at the table with her besties, Lana and Jack. And Album of the Year goes to um midnight's Taylor Swift. And she stands up, she's like, oh my gosh. And you know, they're hugging, whatever. And Taylor's like, Lana, come. You were a part of this album. You inspire me. Come, come, come. You know, you're you're so important to me. I couldn't do this without, you, you know, like those types of sentiments. I can see where Taylor's brain would go to that, but like lana didn't want to go i felt like she's like shuffling her feet she gets up on stage she's standing in the back and she looks like a sad puppy dog i mean truly it made me uncomfortable it really did and then the celine dion thing which people <laughs> can i just can i just go on a sidebar for a second before we talk about taylor swift i can't deal with i know it's a part of life when we get older And our icons from our childhood also get older and they start to deal with things that we don't necessarily want them to deal with. But I can't handle the fact that Celine Dion has stiff person syndrome and can't perform. I can't. It really, it really bothers me. That and Bruce Willis. I can't. The fact that Bruce Willis has dementia makes me so sad. Like we're at the age, you guys where our icons are getting older and, and it's just a part of life, but it makes me so sad. So the fact that Celine Dion was even there, I was like, Oh my God, a new day has come. Truly queen. Celine is there presenting an award. Nobody had any idea. You know, I just couldn't even believe it. So just knowing what Celine is going through me, a commoner sitting on my couch. If I was called up for that award, I mean, I would like I would like kiss her feet, I think. I would bow to her. Of course, Taylor Swift, I mean, she's an icon and a legend in her own right. So like, is she going to bow to her? Probably not. Um, But I feel like in that moment too, Taylor's squad was her first priority. You know, she was running around. She's hugging everybody. She's like, oh my God, I can't believe these guys. Oh my God, I can't believe. Oh my God. And she just takes the Grammy from Celine. And like, it's one thing if you don't hug her right? Because we know she's got health issues. You don't know. You don't want to overstep, especially in today's day and age. But you guys, you guys, she didn't even look at her in the eyes. It's true. Roll the tapes. Roll the tapes. Watch the tapes. She doesn't even look at her in the eyes. And it's just made for an uncomfortable moment. It's easy to get carried away in the moment. It is. It's your, it's your 13th Grammy win. You're lucky number thirteen. You're getting ready to announce a new album. It's easy to get carried away, but you got to look Queen Selene in the eyes. You do. Here's what I don't like, though. There seems to be two extremes when it comes to anything that Taylor Swift does. A, she can never do anything wrong. And B, everything she does is wrong. And it feels like nobody wants to acknowledge that there is an in-between when it comes to public Perception. I'm not the biggest Swiftie in the world. I can very much so appreciate her talent. She makes bangers and her followers. She has a cult like following, and that takes skill to garner a following like that. But why can't people just say, yeah, it wasn't the best look that Taylor Swift didn't make eye contact with Celine Dion while she was on stage? You know, she posted a photo of her hugging Celine backstage, and it's like, It's not the end of the world. I just think it's really easy to compare to when you see Miley, you know, having a moment with Mariah Carey. When you see SZA running and hugging Lizzo, there was just such a stark contrast to everything we had seen that you know previously in the night. And like I said, Taylor Swift just does have this cult like following. And you know what? If you're gonna join a cult, like join one like that. You know, the Taylor Swift cult. It's not gonna hurt anybody. Is it over the top? Is it extra? Sure. Some people will look at it and be like, what's wrong with you? But people probably say the same thing about me. I've rewatched Vanderpump Rules four times. For the fourth time, I just watched Jax Taylor steal sunglasses in Mexico. You know? And I don't care if people think I'm nuts for it. I am nuts. But this is how I like to live my life. So if you like to live your life being obsessed with Taylor Swift, do it. You're not going to get to the end of your life on your deathbed and think, man, I wish I would have listened to less Taylor Swift, or I really wish I wouldn't have watched Jax Taylor get arrested in Mexico four times. You're just not. So enjoy your life, join the cult, but just also be able to admit when somebody does something wrong. Okay. Okay. Is that okay, Swifties? Are you mad at me? Are you mad at me? Don't be mad at me. You know, I love you. Okay. Last but certainly not least, let's talk about Britney and Justin. Brittany and Justin. Yeah. 2002. No. No, it's 2024. But Brittany and Justin are still fighting. Let's set the scene. The scene started way back in October. I can't remember. If Brittany's memoir came out in November, I believe. But there were obviously press, not leaks. I mean, she did it to promote the book. October was when we all found out about um, the abortion that Brittany had when she was with Justin, because according to her in the book, Justin said that they were too young and he didn't want to be a father. So I think now I don't know for sure, but I think that Justin's comeback was supposed to happen earlier than now. I think it was supposed to come around this time but this obviously sent him into a tizzy and he couldn't do it and i'll tell you why i think that a little bit later but so that all happened he takes a little break but in the back of his mind he knows that he's making a comeback right so then he comes out and he releases his new song selfish Brittany fans go and find a britney song that's named selfish from 2011 and they all stream that non-stop to make sure that justin doesn't get number one on like the itunes chart or something. Britney then gets on her Instagram. She posts a video of Justin Timberlake and Jimmy Fallon. And she's like, I'm sorry if I offended anyone in my book. Um, I love Justin's new song, Selfish. I also love Justin Timberlake and Jimmy Fallon, right? And olive branch. Then Justin has a concert in New York City. He gets on stage. Crime River is playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and he's like, I'm not apologizing to bleeping anyone. And I was just like, oh God. (laughs) Oh God, here we go. Read the room, Justin, for the love of God. Can you read the room? He didn't. He didn't. So then Brittany gets on her Instagram again. And she was like, I heard someone's talking bleep in the streets. I'm not sorry. Go cry to your mom. I'll take you to court. You know, all these things. And we're like, okay. Let's take a deep breath and exhale. I'm just like, Justin, why would you do something so stupid to yourself? Honestly, honestly. So then this comes out um, via the Daily Mail, but a source tells this to the sun. Justin is really not happy how things have gone down. He wanted his music to speak for itself, but that's clearly not happening. His comments on stage have only added fuel to the fire. The idea of a sit down chat with someone like Oprah Winfrey was floated months ago and is now back on the cards. This makes me really feel like Justin was going to release new music at the end of last year because if it was on the table months if it was on the table months ago why? Because that was supposed to happen. You know, the book came out He was going to release his new music. How can I blow this over? Okay, let me do a sit down interview like Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. And then I'll release my single like a day later. They obviously just decided to push the release back a little bit. But now that Justin Timberlake is fanning the flames, he's trying to give Oprah a call. So page six exclusively reported that Justin is seething over the negative press he has received and irked that it is overshadowing his new music. Um, An insider says Justin had hoped the backlash from Spears' memoir would have blown over by now so that he could focus on his new album, which he's very excited about. But every day it's something new. So they also said that his sales were hurting and that's why he was trying to do the sit down interview with Oprah. The thing is like, Are his sales hurting? Justin is coming to my city in Cleveland and the tickets hold out like that. I mean, obviously you can buy them on the secondary market, but he also just announced a second leg of the tour. So it's like, are your sales hurting or are you announcing a second leg of the tour? You know, I don't know. My initial reaction when Justin Timberlake dropped his new song, I loved it. Banger. It reminded me. Of old school Justin, it was giving mirrors. We all loved it. Us millennial girlies, we were in it. Right. And then it's like, I knew all this stuff had happened, but some time had passed and I was like ready to go to the Justin Timberlake concert when he comes to Cleveland on July 7th. You know, I was there. I was there. Now I'm like, oh God, you know, like he escalated the situation by making that statement. On stage, we all know that Britney has been through a lot. She still is going through a lot and she clearly is not in a great place. Not to mention, she and Justin are in two completely different places when it comes to their career. So, what is the point of him saying something? Is it to shut online trolls up? Dude, you're in your 40s. Deal with it. Deal with the online trolls. People are still streaming your music, people are still buying your ticket sales. Like, deal with it. Like, what point are you trying to prove? Because you're just making yourself look like an idiot, honestly. I've talked about this a lot lately. The anti-cancel culture culture, which I believe Justin Timberlake is fully leaning into. It's almost like leaning into whatever people are mad at you about. Um, You know, you can't cancel me because I'm owning it, whatever. But I just think that he could have done without it. And this might sound, I don't mean this in a bad way. But in this situation, Justin Timberlake has to be, I don't even want to say like the bigger person because that's that's not what it's about. But like I said, it's clear that he and Brittany are in two totally different places in life. So leave her alone. Just leave her alone. Just leave her alone. Just makes him look bad. Bad, in my opinion. Okay. Okay. Let's move on to this week's Deep Dive. Um, I opened up the Deep Dive submissions to you. A lot of you guys wanted to talk about Taylor Swift and Justin Timberlake, but we got to do a Vanderpump Rules recap. This episode, I think, was actually better than the premiere episode. The premiere episode, like we said last week, you know, we had to lay the groundwork. We had to lay the foundation of where everybody was in their relationships. Um, I think the fact that Tom wasn't in the first episode was not the best for them. I know that they... Wanted to make it a little bit more dramatic. But with Tom being back, I thought it definitely um, added some drama and suspense to the show. So we start. And can I just say, you know, I love Ariana. I do. I love her. She's my girl. Her room makes, makes my skin crawl. Like, if your room looks like Ariana, I'm sorry. But how do you live like that? How do you live like that? Boxes everywhere, clothes up to the ceiling. Like, can you see your bed? I don't understand it. I don't understand it. But we're back in the house. Tom is there. Ariana is there. Anne is there. God bless Anne. Tom's assistant, who poor girl, has to be the mediator between two seething. Exes. And you have to remember, this is only like two months after Scan of All. So, like, the tension is still so high. And poor Anne is like, every five seconds, she's texting away on the phone. So sorry. You know, like, she's like crying into her phone. Ariana, Tom wants to have her birthday party. And then Ariana's like, I will call the cops. So sorry. <laughs> we got to get ann on the podcast. She has her own podcast. I want to listen to it and I want to see if she'll, if she will engage with us because God bless her. That is so awkward. So awkward. And they're fighting over little stuff. You know, Tom wants to have a party at the house for his birthday his 40th or his 41st. Who knows, who knows how old Tom Sandoval actually is. And Ariana's like, no, it's my house too. You guys are up until the wee hours of the morning. You trashed the place. So no, so it's like on one hand, yes, I, I understand where she's coming from. It's her house. You know, she doesn't want to be woken up at five o'clock in the morning by people skinny dipping in the pool. Same. I would be exactly the same. But at the same time, you can tell that she's she wants to make his life miserable, which I would want to, too. Like, I am not even faulting over that because if it was me if it was me, oh my gosh, I can't even tell you what I would do. I probably shouldn't tell you what I would do because it made me look like a cuckoo. Okay. Anyways. So Tom has his little support system. It is Ann, it's Jason, his manager, which if you guys remember the BravoCon story, Jason. I also met Jason when I was locked in the hotel room with Tom Sandoval um for 35 minutes. Jason's a gem. I love Jason. He was very nice to me. Um we even like we took the elevator down together, went and got him Michael Rapaport in the hotel lobby. It was wild, you guys. If you missed the BravoCon episode, you need to go back and listen to it. Um but Jason asks about Raquel. And this is the first time that we're hearing Tom talk about Raquel. And Tom is still in love with Raquel. And it's like, I don't know, you know, kind of like Raquel has been saying, were they in love or were they in love with the idea of each other? Don't really know. But you know, Tom is sober. Um, he's like, I'm waiting for Raquel to get out of her treatment center because if she can't drink right now, I can't drink right now. And while Tom Stanival, I find him to still be pretty unlikable. I will say he is a bit more likable when he's sober. I know he's not sober anymore. He was sober for eight months. Um, But I just feel like he was a bit more even keeled. Maybe he wasn't as reactive. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so then we switch to Lala and Ariana, they go and get smoothies. And Lala is starting to push back on Ariana a little bit. And I think that this is gonna be a theme throughout the season of Vanner Pump Rules, right? There are cracks. And I think Lala falls in this category. I think Sheena is eventually gonna fall in this category where when you go through a traumatic breakup like this, if I'm Ariana, like You do want yes people around you because you need that. It's like you're heartbroken. Your world has been flipped upside down. And then you have people who like want to play devil's advocate. And you're like, no, I need my girls right now to ride or die for me. I feel like Katie is that person to Ariana this season. I don't feel like Lala or Sheena are, which is kind of crazy because Sheena was her best friend for however long Lala. I understand. I feel like, you know, I've said it a million times. They were never the closest friends. I also feel like this is interesting. I also feel like Lala and Sheena care the most about making a good show. I mean, we even I've talked at length about Sheena doing that last year with um, Tom Schwartz and Raquel, but I'm seeing it now with Lala specifically last episode when she sent Raquel the voice memo, um, you know, all of a sudden she has this change of heart. She was screaming at her saying, I never liked you, you know, to to. Hi, Raquel. You know, just very different. Which you can have a change of opinion. I'm not saying that, but then you go on watch what happens live, and she was like, "Well, I didn't know. I didn't know Rachel wasn't coming back to the show at that point." So to me, that is also ringing alarm bells. That Lala's going to do what Lala has to do to make a good show to create conflict because conflict makes a good show. So she's like, Ariana, it's his house too. Like he can have a birthday party if he wants. Like. Don't you want him to whatever? And Ari's like, no, I don't want him to do anything. I don't want him to breathe in my direction. Um, so that's going to be more of a storyline, especially, you know, because we see in the trailer at the end, Lala has that comment where she says, I've never experienced someone getting cheated on. And all of a sudden she's like, God. So we're starting to see the back and forth a little bit. But she also asks about Dan. And Ariana's like, yes, we have to stay somewhere else when Dan comes in town. Um, and in a shocking revelation, Ariana says that Dan has changed her mind about potentially having children, which was very interesting because as long as we have known Ariana, we have known that she doesn't want to get married and she doesn't want to have kids. And now she's with Dan. She says, you know, being with Tom and being with Dan taught me that your partner does affect your desire to have children. I think that and maturity also, you know, changes circumstances in your life. Like it's hard to say, you know, especially for someone like Ariana, I I can remember her talking about not wanting to have children and how she just said, you know, I, I wanted to accomplish so much in my life and I want that to be my priority, you know, accomplishing all of these goals. And I don't know how you know, not saying that she couldn't do it, but like, how would it look? How would she be able to accomplish what she wants to if she has children? Well, now she is. I mean, Broadway was her biggest dream and she's there. She's in it. She's Roxy Hart in Chicago. So it's like, she is checking all of those things off of her bucket list and she does have a good guy in dance. So maybe that will be the next step. You know, we do see in the trailer at one point, her and Tom argue, you know, she says something about. Uh, you know, my lawyer will deal with you about my children, you know, and she goes, She goes, my, Tom says something about like your children, you know, so planting seeds as well. Something I didn't know, Dan's 40, looks flawless. Drop the skincare routine, Dan. I thought it was like 30, like 33. Love it. I want to see more Dan. I do, I do, I gotta say, I do. Okay, so then we move on to pump, pump is closing down. Um, and it's so funny because I didn't know that they were going to show this flashback, but I, you know, they're they're walking into Pump, and all I could think about was when Schwartz couldn't get through one bartending shift at Pump, and then five seconds later they were showing it like he ran out because he had a panic attack, Schwartzy. So it's sad. I've heard conflicting stories when it comes to what really happened with Pump. Of course, Lisa Lisa Vanderpump's side of the story is that rent was going up and you know to make it worthwhile they just didn't want to do it the landlord I think said that like they weren't paying rent and so it was like shut down I don't know I don't know pull up the records I didn't have the time or the energy to do that today but in my opinion the most interesting part of the episode was this conversation between Tom Schwartz and Tom Sandoval so They sit down at this restaurant and Schwartz is talking about how Sandoval was banned from Schwartz and Sandy's, that the business partners wanted him to take a step back because it was affecting the livelihood of everybody, you know? Sandoval, but Schwartz is like, I expected Sandoval to be proactive. I expected him to be like, okay, let's get a publicist. Let's do whatever. Let's do whatever. And instead, Sandoval booked it with his band touring, you know, singing about Schwartz's mom and Rachel, you know. And he was like, dude, I had to. I had no money. I was overdrawing my account. Um, I had to tour to make some type of money because Ariana hasn't paid the bills in eight months, which fans were quick on the jump. To notice that eight months, which when when did they film this? June of last year. He said eight months. Then he said eight months on the bio file. So like, is that just the number that you would like to stick with, or what? But you know what I like here, and this is the first time that we actually see this from Schwartz is that he's not letting Sandoval steamroll the conversation. He's pushing back. You know, and Sandoval says, "Are you going to stick with me, or what?" And Schwartz says, "I'm going to do what's best for me." And I'm like, "Yes, Schwartz, yes." But then I think was this just a performative scene because what has been best for Schwartz, his relationship with Sandoval hasn't changed at all. I mean, we saw it a week ago on the vile files where Tom Schwartz was still making excuses or, or trying to talk Sandoval out of, you know, him putting his foot in his mouth. I saw a preview for next week where Schwartz invites everybody to Lake Tahoe and and everybody, right? They're they're all talking about how, why are you inv- inviting Tom Sandoval? And Lala says something something along the lines of you're going to look back one day and you're going to wish that you had changed your relationship with Tom Sandoval in this moment because he's going to drag you down. At some point in life he's going to drag you down. It's, history repeats itself, right? And I don't think she's necessarily wrong. I mean, I don't know. Schwartz is so loyal to Tom. It's crazy. It's crazy how much more loyal Tom Schwartz is to Tom Sandoval than he was to his wife. Like that is so crazy. You know, Schwartz talking about how Schwartz and Sandys became the center of the storm, you know, it was beyond bad reviews. People were vandalizing the place, you know, unhappy partners, unhappy staff. It all makes sense now about the intro package. The Toms are at TomTom and not Schwartz and Sandy's. We all thought that was kind of weird, right? We get this new intro. The girls are in something about her, their business. The drone flies over to the boys and they're at TomTom. And we're like, why aren't they at Schwartz and Sandy's? That's kind of weird. But now as they're starting to detail the backlash that Schwartz and Sandy's was actually getting, it makes sense. I don't think we're going to see Schwartz and Sandy's at all. On this season, because, like I said, the partners want to distance themselves from this as much as possible, which is sad because it's the opposite of what Schwartz and Tom Sandoval wanted going into this new venture. You know, starting the bar, we already have the publicity, we already have the name—it's our name in lights—and people are going to want to come because it's Schwartz and Sandy. It's not anymore, and your partners don't even want to show it on a TV show. Because of all of the backlash. And Ariana even says on the After show, you know, why does he have to have this birthday party at his house? He has a bar that he owns. Maybe it's because they weren't allowed to film there. And Tom Sandoval wanted his birthday party to be on the show. I don't know just a thought we're introduced to tori this episode which she's going to be involved in a love triangle with katie maloney and tom schwartz she's ending up being summer moon's nanny at first which is an interesting way to introduce her to the group but sheena and brock have this little spat in front of everyone um where they're talking about um Sheena not being able to handle day-to-day activities, you know how she said she has OCD and anxiety and depression and Brock's like, you surround yourself with yes people and it gets like really heated. I was really surprised by that um, little argument in the moment. A, I mean, you don't really want to go down on this thought spiral, but you know, we've seen a lot uh, of speculation about Brock's past. And I guess I was just surprised that he would be, I mean, he wasn't like a Tasmanian devil. Like, don't get me wrong, but he was very, um, and I don't want to say aggressive either. I guess like headstrong in his argument, he was like not backing down at all. And it did sound like, I don't know. I don't know the terminology that I want to use. You guys are, you guys get what I'm saying, but Like, I found it interesting that Brock, for everything that he's had to, like, combat about his past, that he would be that confident to handle that situation like that, I guess we could say, or that conversation. But anyways, then we get to um, James and Allie and Tom and Tom Sandoval inviting James and Allie to his birthday party. And they actually go, which I'm glad, you know, James also taking one for the team. Want to make sure that this is a good season of Vanderpump Rules. Go to the birthday party, pee in the bushes on the way out, but go to the birthday party. And James really wants an apology for the betrayal, right? He says, you know, I saw Tom Sandoval. He says this in the after show. I saw Tom two days before the scandal broke and he acted like nothing, nothing happened. Everything was good. Everything was good as gold. as Sheena Shea would say. And, you know, he goes into this party hoping that he'll be able to finally have a conversation with Tom and that Tom will say, look, dude, I'm sorry for betraying you. But that doesn't happen at all. In fact, the opposite happens. You know, they walk in. It's really awkward. James is like, who are these people? Which it was kind of sad, right? Because it was like everybody that was on Tom, everyone that was at Tom's birthday party was like people that he worked with, like the sound tech, his manager, his backup singer, his vocal coach, you know, like it was kind of sad, but then they sit down for the first time and Tom Sandoval apologizes for not reaching out. And James says, you don't want to apologize for betraying me. And he goes, betraying you, you know, and he's like, it's a yes or no, dude, there's no need to f- deflect. And that's exactly what he does. He goes, well, 10 years ago when you started getting with Chris and James was like, dude, You've got to be kidding me. We're going to talk about something that happened 10 years ago. Really? Is that really what we're about to do? And it is. And it's classic Tom Sandoval. It's all about deflection. Always. He can never, ever just say, I'm sorry that I hurt you. Period. End of sentence. No, it's there's always a but. There's always an if. There's always some type of dependent clause. I don't even know if that's the right terminology. What is that like fifth grade English? I don't know. He can't. And that is his down. That is his biggest downfall is that he can't do it. He cannot take any accountability without also pointing the finger at somebody else. And I think part of it is a defense mechanism for how much heat he's getting. He's like, I don't understand why I'm getting this much heat when James was with Kristen 10 years ago, you know, um, but it's not the time or place to bring that up. People have their own opinions about what happened between James and Kristen 10 years ago. That's not what's going on right now. So he walks out, he pees in the bushes. And can we just say, Allie, girl's girl, the fact that she stays in the car, I love her. I love her. I feel like She's still normal enough, you know, like she she hasn't really let the fame get to her head that much because it, it would be very easy for like somebody who's new into the Vanderpump Rules scene to like be dating James Kennedy and be like, oh, I want to get screen time. I'm going in like I'm going into Tom Sandoval. Are you kidding me? But she's like, no, I don't have a relationship with Tom Sandoval. I have a friendship with Ariana. I, I don't feel the need to garner a relationship with Tom Sandoval for screen time. So, Allie. Is a real one. Like I said, the um, episode ends with James peeing in the bushes and it says to be continued. Did we need it to be continued? Like dramatic. Like what? Do you think he's going to go back and pee in the pool? Like not everything needs to be a t- to be continued, but I guess that's just what they wanted. But Vanderpump Rules, smash ratings, you guys. I think, it, I think I saw 3.2 million viewers. So people are still eating it up. The premiere episode, people are still eating it up as are we, as are we. So there you go. Thanks for tuning in this week to MPT. If it's Friday, wish me happy birthday. Okay. in the DMS, if not extra pop comes out on Friday, pop of batch. I haven't even been able to sit down and watch the bachelor yet this week. I heard it's wild between Maria and Sydney. So I'm excited to dive into that. If not, we'll see you back next week for another episode of MPT. Leave a review on my birthday. Leave a freaking review, okay? I know how many people listen to this podcast. I know how many reviews I have. They're not equal. They're not equal. So leave a review. Five stars. I love you like a sis. If not, I'll see you next week. Bye, guys. A Huda Media Production.